This is First Baptist Church for Sunday, December 24th, 2023. This message honoring the presence begins with the promise. And it starts with Genesis 15, 1 through 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Faith credited as righteousness. You see, those who came before looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. They had the opportunity. They were not left out. You see, the apostles, when they were traveling around and Jesus came to them, what did they say? They said, is this the one? You know, it seems a little bit of a miracle. Why would they drop everything and start following them? But you see, the message was already there. The promise was there. They were awaiting the coming of the Messiah. And those that were promised and that believed in the promise, that faith credited as righteousness was their opening to the heaven to come. So they could have faith in the promise and join those who would come later. Part two, the promise fulfilled. In Luke 2, 1 through 11, the signature passage for what we celebrate. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Fear not. Good news, great joy. This is the message that was foretold. This was the promise that was made. And this was the promise fulfilled when Jesus came into the world. And what was accomplished? 
In Matthew 27, 50 to 53, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. You see, this is that culmination. This is that fulfillment of that promise that if you believe in the promise, if you have faith in the promise, you will enter the kingdom. Many broke out of their tombs. They came out of their graves and walked around alive. This was the resurrection. When Christ died, he bought that resurrection cost for all of us. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Then, at the death of Jesus, they came out of their tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. So what else was accomplished? Freedom from sin. In Romans 8, 1 through 4, titled Life Through the Spirit, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law may be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Jesus would say to the lady at the well, the type of worshipers that God wants are those who spirit, worship in spirit and in truth. This was the accomplishment of Jesus coming into the world, bringing the light into the world, granting the children of men to become children of God and to be born again in the spirit. So, what are we to do? When we look at the promise and the promise fulfilled our honoring of the presence of God is to make use of the time. In John 3, 26 to 30, they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, the man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this John replied, a person can receive only that which is given from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. And now we start to see that theme of life in Christ, Christ in us. John the Baptist, who Jesus said there was no one on earth above him as far as his service and his life, he acknowledged that what made him a servant of God was allowing Christ to grow in him 
And we all have that opportunity to allow Christ, who has been received by us, to grow in us, to grow more into the image of Christ and less. But it's not, I tell you, it is not a giving up. It is not a loss. You see, the more of Jesus in us, it doesn't mean that we are less. It means we become more the person he intends us to be. More of us in the sense of that plan, that, that life that God has for us, his intended plan for our lives. So we make use of the time. How? We always return to this uh, idea that God is always looking to remove something unnecessary and harmful from us and to add something beneficial and fruitful. And for this, I turn to John 15, 1 and 2. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. When we are in the vine, we have opportunity. When we are grafted in, you know, we are talking a lot lately about Israel and the Jews, and whether they're our brothers or not, there are those who think that the Jews, Israel, turned against God and therefore they're lost. But he made a promise to the Jewish people. And listen, as we know, that we are grafted into that vine. In the scripture it talks about, you are not the root, but you are grafted into the vine. So, would God break a promise? Let's just trust that he will handle it properly, but let's recognize our position as we talk about honoring Israel. And those that honor Israel will be blessed, and those that would curse them will be cursed. It is that opportunity we have to be in the vine. But then it talks about the pruning. An unworthy branch or an unfruitful branch is cut off, but a fruitful branch is pruned so that it can be even more fruitful. And in my mind, this is the actual description of what I talk about. The idea that there are things to be pruned. You know, pruning, like the scripture in Proverbs that talks about one man sharpens another like iron sharpens iron. That sounds like a pretty violent act, right? I mean, you're talking about hammer on anvil. You're talking about pounding of metal to shape it. And in this, we're talking about a pruning, a cutting off, something that is unnecessary and being removed so that new fruit can be brought out of the vine. So, as we become more Jesus, as we grow into the image, and we lose those unnecessary things of the world, we are able to live that new life and be fruitful. So, as we think about this true service, I want to turn to Matthew 12, 1 through 8. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. 
Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And I think there's two messages in here. He was telling those that wanted to use the law as a club that they would be chastised for their improper judgment. These were the same ones that wanted to tithe mint but not worry about how they treat it. It won't lift a finger to help their brother. And we know what God's commandment is. What are the two great commandments? We know what we are to do. Following the example and commands of Jesus, more important than tithing, love your God, love your neighbor. This is our true worship and service of God, is to fulfill that desire in him that we should go out, share the good news, to be able to live a full life in him and share that with others. And I hope to bring out this idea that when we are exhibiting it, people will receive it. Furthermore, in Psalm 37, 3 and 4, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. And this is again back to the idea of what do we gain when we seek the will of God, when we're seeking to serve him. There's this idea of the desires of your heart. Well, it's also tied to the delighting in the Lord. It's when we delight in the Lord and seek his will that he reveals and is able to reveal the desires of our heart. We might think we know what they are. We might look to certain things in the world for pleasure, for happiness, for what we see so many turning to immediate gratification. Whereas that long-term view, I like to think sometimes you need to take in life, in, in situations, you need to take the long-term view. You know, it's easy to let a temporary setback or, or a single failure cause you to give up, cause you to want to wanna not even try. If I can call upon something that came up in their Wednesday group, I won't name names, but somebody was talking about how many times they failed to accomplish a task or make a change. And I pointed out that when I was trying to quit smoking, I was trying to quit smoking for 20 years. And I failed over and over and over again. But then I said this, every one of those failures was a step in the right direction. Are you trying? Are you looking? Are you seeking God's will? Are you allowing him to do the vine, that vine dressing work of pruning away? If it takes time, it takes time. You have to take the long range view. It's not about failure in the immediate. It's about reward in the long term. That's what Jesus is all about when he talks about the reward to come. And that when you allow him to work in you, when you are in the vine, when Christ is in you, working within you to improve who you are, 
to reach that point of what his plan is for your life, you will have opportunity to discover your best life. The life that he has planned for you. We don't understand all these things. We can't be sure how it works. We can trust God, but there may be a question. Can you miss opportunity? Oh, I should have done that. I didn't do it on time. When I was young, I did all these things, and now it's too late. And that's the enemy working against you. That's allowing the immediate to take precedence over the long term. Letting God work in us can take time. Allowing that image to grow is gradual. I've talked previously about salvation leading to sanctification through justification, eventually reaching glorification. You receive Jesus and he begins to work in your life. You continue to trust and, and rely on him and he continues to work in your life. And thanks to what he did, we have immediately improved life. Thanks to him. Have you seen it in your life? I know I have. When I'm looking to him, when I'm trusting him, when I'm asking, I'm receiving, and my life is improving. And it's not always about what I think I want or what I think I deserve. But I'm here today because, thank God, I was able to watch, seek, Look for the, the, the pointers that would lead me in the right direction. I mean, when you think of the, um, the yoke, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. When he talks about learning from him by taking on the yoke, you know, an animal, an ox or a horse, a donkey even, if it's been led home a number of times, it learns. So, in the first traveling, when we first start out to relate it to our experience, as you're going down that road, there's going to be turns. How are you going to know which way to go? Well, you're listening or you're looking or you're feeling for that tug that's pushing you in the right direction. If you are. If you're not, you can miss things. It's never a loss. Nothing is lost in God's economy because there's always the opportunity, no matter if you stray, to get back on path. But you look for it. You listen for it. You feel for it. And you allow the Lord to reveal to you. It's revealed through our friends. It's revealed through random experience. Sometimes it's dramatic, almost like a voice in your head telling you this is the way to go. But we're looking, we're listening, and we're feeling for what God is directing us toward. And this is how we learn. So over time of following the path, you get to see better where those turns are and which ones to avoid. You know, that animal, after a certain number of trips, dropped the reins and it's going to lead you straight home. Left alone, it will find its way home because it has learned the path. We learn the path by paying attention, by learning from our experience. Over time, it's a gradual process, but as we grow, as he grows in us, we become better attuned to the voice of the Spirit and better able to determine the right path, the path that God has prepared for us. I'm going to use a phrase which many will recognize, and they're supposed to give accreditation, accreditation, I think it's, yeah, I learned this uh, in my studies that for the Jews, if you quote somebody and you don't give it credit, that's a thief, that's a, th that's a theft. 
So when I say, he gave his life for you, what should you do for him? I can't not give credit to John Price, who has told us many times, what did, what did he do for you? He gave his life for you. So what should you do? You should live your life for him. And this is our blessing. This is, this is our, our glory that we can live our lives for him. The promise, the promise fulfilled, making use of time and talking about how God grows in us, how we learn better to follow his will. As we seek our best life, the life he has prepared for us, we can reach what I'm calling part four, our purpose fulfilled. Again, for Psalm 37, 3 and 4, to take delight in, your Lord, in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. And this is the image of Christ in us. His light shining through us. That as we grow into that image, his image becomes evident. So what happens? Well, I call this earning a voice. When I first heard about this idea, I was told about a missionary in Israel. A young woman who moved there, she took a job. She went there to be a missionary. She went there to bring the good news that would bring great joy. But she started off this way. Got an apartment, she took a job, she started working, meeting people, and living a life that would be an example. You see, we earn a voice. Now sometimes you can go up to a person, you can tell them about Jesus, and it can have an immediate effect. And I take nothing away from that. But some people can't be reached that way. Some people need to have a reason to listen to you. And where's that reason going to come from? What's going to be the thing about you that, as Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that you have? That's Jesus. When we have that hope, that knowledge, you know, and it's the Christian hope. It's not the like, oh, I hope we make it, or I hope the Eagles win. That's not that kind of hope. It's the hope that we know that our salvation is secure. And the hope of the heavenly reward that we will receive. So when we have that knowledge, when we have that faith, when we have that light, it shines as it says. Your righteous reward will shine like the dawn, your victory, vindication like the noonday sun. It's a bright light like the light that was in that cradle, that was in that manger, that was in that stable, that was in Bethlehem when Christ came into the world. It was the light that came into the darkness that we should all know. You know, the gospel says that the end will come and there will be signs, wars and rumors of wars and storms and earthquakes. But haven't those things been happening all along? But then it says this, not until the word reaches the ends of the earth will the end come. There's your promise. And it's also tied to the idea that we don't get to straddle the fence. You either are with them 
or you're against them. There's no middle ground. There's no if maybe. We either commit ourselves to Christ and discover who he is and welcome him and receive him or we're outside. And that's why people need to hear, isn't it? So, this lady built relationship over time. And after she had that people's ear, after they respected her for what she was doing and recognized that she was somebody they could talk to, then she had opportunity to speak, to be a voice. She had earned an ear that, was able, that she was able to share the gospel with these people in Israel and bring them into the salvation of Christ. So, I'm going to get personal. I have a new job. New responsibilities. A new opportunity. And this is where the inspiration came from as I was speaking with a close friend about what's happening in my life. You know, this is difficult. If I could have turned away, I'd much rather be working at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> they're closed on Sunday. They're Christ-fearing. You know, I support what they're about. It would be, honestly, a lot easier for me. But how did I start out? I was led there. And I say if there's anything that I would love to be able to take credit for, which I can't really take credit for, but it's still true, I've been looking for, listening for, and feeling for the direction of God in my life. And I ended up at Andy's Diner as a manager in a new job. Okay, I've been a manager. I've done a lot of things. I have a lot of experience. Didn't count for nothing when I walked in those doors. I had to learn a whole new job. And let me tell you something about when you start a new job, no matter how old or young or experienced you are. You know, when the uh, young men, mostly young women, go into the service, and there's been movies about this, there's been stories about this, this is true. When those guys first show up, when those people first show up, the veterans don't really want to have much to do with them. Because you may not be around tomorrow. But if you're out there fighting, and you show some ability, and you manage to stay alive long enough, you might be able to talk to them. You might earn a little bit of respect that will grant you the opportunity to build a relationship, just like this missionary in Israel did. When I had started to work at Clemens Family Markets, I noticed the same thing. You get a lot of turnover in a lot of businesses, and supermarkets, one of them. Cashiers come, cashiers go. And I started as a cashier. And I noticed that the veterans would ignore the new people. It was only after you had proven yourself that they were even willing to acknowledge that you were there, let alone have conversation. And then over time, developing some respect, earning a little respect for what you're able to do, the fact that you have a long-range view that allowed you to pay attention and grow, they may start to listen to you. So, soldiers, cashiers, frontline employees have to go through this process, and, and I had to go through it too. And it was only after a good bit of time that people began to notice, wait, he's still here. 
Maybe he's going to last. And he's a manager. We better start listening. <laughs> okay. So, you know, look, it's an opportunity, as I say. The responsibilities are there. It's a difficult job, not going to lie. But it's rewarding. It's rewarding because when I have success, and I've felt this my entire life, and you can draw on this, you know, I had worked at BJ's uh, overnight. It was tough and it was not good pay. But as the man who came in from a high position at another chain of uh, stores, when he asked me, what's it like? I said, well, we come in here, they lock the doors, we go to work, and the only thing that matters is we work as a team to get everything done. And in the morning, you have a sense of accomplishment for what you were able to do. And that sometimes is the greatest reward in a job is a sense of accomplishment. I had a job, I had a duty, I had a responsibility, and not just by myself, but in a team we were able to accomplish it. And that's a great reward. So you get that feeling of a connection. Now, that's another opportunity to be an image. So what's this all about? And it's called maintaining the image of Christ while being real. There are limits to what you can do in the workplace. If you get too bold, you're liable to get kicked out before you even get started. So, you start off as that missionary in Israel did. You get your footing. You earn your place. You show what you can do. And over time, you start to get noticed. And once again, what is being noticed? If you're living that image, if you're, again, seeking and discovering and following the will of God for your life, you begin to exhibit that. People will notice. People notice when you are living this kind of life. They're even surprised when I might use salty language or tell a joke that's questionable. But that's being real. I'm a real person. I've come from such a background, it would take hours for you to even get a picture of what I've been through in my life. But it's led me to where I am now, and I can relate to a whole lot of different people. All kinds of people. But I got to get to know them so that I know what they're looking for, so that I know what they will accept, so that I know what I can say that could possibly lead them in the right direction. But they've got to look and see something worth having. And that's what it is. The image of Christ in us is glory. The image of Christ in us is light. The image of Christ in us is what we grow into and what he grows into us to be that they do want to know. Why are you able to be calm in all the trouble? Why aren't you upset that things aren't going your way? And it's a job, so it's got complications. But you work through, you keep pushing forward, you trust God, and when things come together, and when they see that things are going well, like David, like Joseph, when they saw that this guy's a manager and he's doing well, have you noticed we're doing a lot better since this guy's been around? Hey, you know, I really like you. I wish I could work with you all the time. Why? Because of me? Or because of what they see? So, getting to know others will build the bridge to earning a voice 
and the opportunity to evangelize. So what's the message? Honoring the presence. It's not just the presence of the promise. It's not just the promise fulfilled the presence of Christ in the world. It's also receiving him and honoring his presence in you. Allowing him to grow and pushing away the world. The presence of God in your life. The presence of God here at church. Why we gather together. It's great to see each other. It's great to be together. When we worship, it's so much more. This is our opportunity to share the love of God, to share the knowledge of Christ, and to embolden ourselves once more to go out again and do the hard work, to be an example, to be the image of Christ in the darkness, that the light might shine into the darkness. There may be those who desire that light that will give us the opportunity to tell them the good news that will bring great joy. The birth of Christ was long awaited. When God came, became man, the promise was fulfilled. He came that we can be freed from sin and have life to the full. He died for us. And now we should live for him. Honoring the presence of Christ means acknowledging who he is, allowing him to grow in us. It is not the loss of freedom, but the discovery of its plan for our lives. So that we can have our best life. I return finally to the vine and branches once more. John 15, 5 through 8. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do remain in me, you are like a branch that is... If you do not remain in me, it is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That's the whole message, isn't it? Allowing Christ to work and grow in us. Not succumbing to all the distractions and the delays and worries and promises of the world when we have the opportunity to be tapped into the vine and to receive his power from on high and to do the work he has prepared for us to do ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you you receive not because you ask not pray we need to be praying constantly when you do this Jesus says this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is our opportunity. This is the message of Christmas. It's the message of Christ's life. It's the message from our Lord in heaven. This is what life is about. New life. Not that we should in, in, uh, just enjoy ourselves temporarily. Not that we should just take what the world has to offer which can't satisfy, but that we can have life in Christ and that we can bring it to others. Father God, I thank you for what you did that your son 
came into earth and was born, who lived a life of a, a, a man that he taught, that he healed, that he performed so many miracles that he fulfilled all the prophecy that we can be absolutely sure of who he is. We can acknowledge who he is, his presence in the world. And that more so, he made those aware that they could share the news that it was available to all who would accept him. To all that would have faith. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And that is the promise. Amen. That is the promise fulfilled. And it is the blessing that we have. Father God, I ask once more, do not deny me before I die that I may serve you in this life. Lord, that I might have that fulfillment that comes from the effort to accomplish the Great Commission, that we would go forth and share the good news that brings great joy. Hallelujah. Amen. Good. Uh -huh.